it's using just over and over these things. And it says this, and many of us know this song. How many of you know this song, Standing in the Need of Prayer? And uh, matter of fact, we were uh, singing this song. Uh, actually, uh, we weren't singing it. We were, I think I've told this story before. We were having just a bad day. Karen had, uh, she taught preschool for like 10 years and uh, she was teaching preschool there. The, the largest private uh, preschool in the state of Louisiana in Calvary Baptist Church there in, uh, uh, there in uh, Alexandria, Louisiana. And she had a bunch of just hellions. I mean, you would think they wouldn't allow those into Christian schools. I think that's where they send them, okay, because they need Jesus. And uh, so she was talking about the class she had and she was in charge of, and she was one of the, she was over all the teachers and uh, as well as her uh, class assignments. And she was just having a bad day, and, and Allie was back there, uh, she was just, she was hungry. She probably wasn't too. She was just screaming, just screaming because uh, something going on. And, and and I was talking about everything in the world that broke that day. Everything in the world was breaking. On the, we had a minivan then, and in the very back row, Caleb sat in the back. We had four captain's chairs. The very back row, Caleb was actually singing, and he was singing, It's me, it's me, O oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Only spiritual one in the bunch out of the five of us. And Taylor was, uh, she was complaining about something. But it says here, not my father nor my mother, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my sister nor my brother, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not the prophet nor the preacher. But it's me, O Lord, standing in need of prayer. Not the deacon, not the teacher. Verse 3, not the people who are shouting, but it's me, O Lord, standing in need of prayer. Not the members I am doubting. I know none of y'all have ever had a member you doubted, a member of the church. Not the other man in danger, and not my neighbor nor the stranger. But it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Folks, we're not going to have a church that does anything for the Lord unless we are moved by God. It all has to start with us. We just had revival services this just a, a, not too many weeks ago. But we're not going to have revival if we're not standing in the need of prayer. You know, and, and folks, this, this is definitely a hyperbole. It's an, it's an exaggeration. Don't point to the preacher. Don't point to the deacon. Don't point to the Sunday school teacher. Don't point to a, a wayward member. Don't point sideways. Just point this way and say, It's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. That's where it all begins. And folks, it just we're just going to boil it down in what I've titled tonight's message is simply this, and that is a fresh encounter with God. In our text, and I just want to put my finger, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a chance to find it and uh, head to not only Psalm 85, put one finger there, but also go to Habakkuk, okay? Habakkuk chapter 3. 
So one finger there, then head over here to Habakkuk. And don't just really try to find it. I want you to try to find Don't wait on uh, Kenneth to find it for you, okay? And uh, so just head over there. It's amongst them little books. And uh, find Habakkuk. The uh, a chapter, it exists. It's not, it's not Hezekiah. It actually exists. <clears throat> and uh, we just want to take a, take a look at what the Word of God has to say. All right, Psalm 85. Get, get all my fingers located. There we go. And I'll give you a hint. It's right after Nahum. Okay. <laughs> That's a big hint, isn't it? All right. <laughs> all right, Psalm 85, beginning with verse 4. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry for us, with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Surely... His salvation is nigh them that fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. Surely we need a fresh encounter with God. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet and unto Shagonath, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. If we're going to have a fresh encounter with God tonight, so many times, I am no different than anyone else in this room Mainly, we have tonight here the core of the church. But if we are going through the motions, why should we expect the Sunday morning crowd to be any different? Why should we expect anybody to do anything for God if we as the core, if we, and I know some are missing Memorial Day weekend and some have gone to the visitation and, and all of the, and that's great, that's okay. But folks, if we can't have, no matter whether we're three or three hundred, can we have a fresh encounter with God, a revival, a renewal? Have y'all noticed that from Genesis to Revelation, there is a constant pattern. Over and over, you start over. God created the world. He started from nothing. And they all went downhill fast. And He started over. Many times, you know, in the kings, and, and so many times, you know, God started over with Israel. I've had enough. And He was going to kill them all and start over. And Moses intervened. And then and the Bible says in the book of Judges that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And they, He would send them a deliverer, the Judges. 
And they would start over. They would come back to God. But they would only come back. Have you noticed this? We only come back whenever we are forced to. Whenever we're forced to. So I ask you tonight, matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to, if you would like to help me out in this message, respond verbally. What does, if we want, if our church is to be a God-fearing, God-pleasing church, what do we need as a church? Anybody? Grow closer to God. Sir? True repentance. Hmm? Servants. More love. Spiritual leadership. All of your answers are are dead on. Yet, we want those things. We say we want those things, but how often do we... Does it only take a tragedy before we'll come to this altar and pray? And again, I've tried to, I've tried to weed through all the excuses. You know, I know we've got, you know, bowing down and humble, and you say, well, you can make excuses all day long where you can do it right in the pew. Yeah, that's true. Or, or you, yeah, that's true. But, if we, if people around us, if we are the core of the church and we want true repentance, we want spiritual leadership, we want a right relationship with God, we want more love in the church, yet if we're not broken, if we're not longing for it, if we're not praying for it, matter of fact, as I was preparing and looking up a couple of verses that I was missing from my message this afternoon, I found the verse and it made me come up with a thought. And uh matter of fact, I said, oh, man, that's a good thought. I don't know if I've, if it, it's mine or if uh, if I've read it somewhere and it just leaked through. And so I, I tweeted it, which automatically put it on my Facebook account. And that is this. Are our desires affecting our prayer life, which means what you want, or is your prayer life Affecting your desires. One of them's right and the other one's wrong. Our desires should never affect our prayer life, but our prayer life should affect our desires. And if we're truly praying, if we're truly repenting, if we're truly seeking a fresh encounter with God, it should change us and we should want more love in a church that's on, in love with the Lord. Folks, if people come to church and they leave discouraged, there's not any love in the church. And if we, in folks, a loving church, a church that's in love with Jesus, a church that's in love with the Lord, will be an encouraging church. Now, obviously, if there's sin in our heart, we can't get encouraged until we deal with that sin. <clears throat> so all of these things, you know, and I asked, what does our church need? And we, y'all listed several, and all of them are right 
own. We need those things. What should we desire or what should we want? Some say that revival services, and I'm looking, I'm just already thinking about the next revival services, and it's not that it takes revival services. It shouldn't take revival services before we pray at the altar. It shouldn't take revival services before we have a fresh encounter with God. But so many times we think they're a, they're a thing of the past, and there's in many places people are surprised. That they're still going on. I'm glad we're a little old fashioned here at Promised Land and we have revival services and there is such thing as an altar call and there is such thing as old fashioned repentance and, but folks, it, it just, they say there's no more moves made. But the, uh, so many times I've heard of people, well, let, let me ask you here, is there anybody in this room right now of, of, of 60 or 70 people, ever what we have, that were, you made a tremendous decision or salvation at a revival meeting. Anybody make a serious, awesome decision at a revival meeting? Okay, so a couple of hands. That's, in other words, lives are changed at revival meetings. Folks, it's not a waste of time. Even if one life is changed, I'll never forget preaching a revival in Mount Enterprise, Texas in 1987. It was uh, one of my first five-night revival meetings. And I'm, uh, I'm 20 years old and I'm, I really, you know, and I, I was kind of just, uh, maybe I was a little full of myself thinking, you know, I never have, I haven't pastored yet. And, uh, I didn't start pastoring. This is in the spring of 87. I started pastoring in December of 87. I said, well, look at me. I ain't even pastored yet. I got a five night revival. And man, and that's my dad. That's where my dad lives. And my dad hadn't made a profession of faith at that time. And I think I get, and he was there every time the doors are open. And I'm preaching. I'm preaching. And so, and I'm, I'm just preaching up a storm. I'm screaming. I'm snorting. I'm spitting. I'm doing everything I can. But folks, it comes down to God. I think God says, uh, Michael, I'm going to show you something. It's not you. After five nights of just Preaching till the light bulb filaments were shaken. Not a single moon. I didn't let Brother Darrell, Darrell Owens hadn't been there long. And uh, I didn't let him know I was, I was kind of discouraged. He called me Sunday afternoon. He said, Michael, we had... About 35 people come down Sunday morning, and four people got saved. And it hit me like a two-by-four upside the head right between eyeballs. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. And I've preached sermons before that I thought were, were just, that, I, mean, I mean, it was a thunderstorm in a bottle. And then I preached some that was like... Uh, bunch of nasty goobly glop and just fell on the carpet. And God will take that one. And people respond. Because it's not about us. It's about Him. From Genesis to Revelation. You know, you can brag on our church. You can brag on our church. But I'll tell you what. Just, just head to uh, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. And, and I thank the Lord for promised land. 
I thank the Lord for people who will try. I thank the Lord for people that will step up. We have people that work behind the scenes. I appreciate our teachers. I appreciate our deacons. I appreciate even when things don't go smoothly at our church, people still try their best to get along. I thank the Lord for people that will work together. But here in Revelation chapter 2, this famous church at Ephesus, man, he was bragging on them. Revelation 2 verse 2. I know your works and your labor and your patience and your man you're, you just stand for the truth of God you're a great church verse 4 nevertheless I am somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love and no brother Michael is not insinuating that our church is an unloving church we are a loving church but if our love is not seen, if our love is not demonstrated, we cannot have revival. And our church will just stay inside these four walls. And people are sometimes surprised about our love. But it's only if we let our love be seen outside these four walls. This, everything in this life, is temporary. Everything in this life is temporary. Folks, even our earthly relationships are temporary if it doesn't point people to Jesus. If it doesn't contain Jesus or point to direct to Him. If it's not about Him. If they don't come to know Jesus. Head to Hosea, another Old Testament Scripture. Hosea in chapter 10. It's right past Daniel. You can find it. Hosea chapter 10. He, man, Hosea is just, he's shucking the corn down here. He's just, he's going on. He says in Hosea 10.1, Israel is an empty vine. Man, you're not doing anything. Come on now. Verse 2, Hosea 10, 2, their heart is divided. Meaning this, that I'm one way in church and another way outside of church. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. I'll take away your campers. I'll take away your kids. I'll take away your 401k. I'll take away anything I want, any of your altars, anything you put ahead of God, I'll take it away. Verse 4, Hosea 10, 4, They have spoken words, swearing falsely and making a covenant. Thus judgment springeth up as a hemlock in the furrows of the field. Go to Hosea 10, 12. We need to get out here and, you know, I tell you, there's nothing more green than promised land right now. Man, we got stuff sprouting up everywhere. <laughs> we got some farmers in this church and stuff sprouting up everywhere. But there's one thing we need to plan as a church. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. And most of you know, 
what fallow ground is. Fallow ground is uncultivated soil that's laying barren. That ha- it used to be it used to be fruitful. It was used for a while, but fallow ground that's just laying by the wayside. It's just sitting there. It's not doing anything. It's not producing anything yet. It used to be being used, and you can have fallow ground on purpose, or you can have fallow ground on by just neglect. And folks, there's a lot of us that have fallow ground in our lives due to, well, Brother Michael will just get busy. Of our church will just do this. We need change. We don't have. We don't need repentance or change or love enough to even pray about it. James 5 says this, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Would you be willing to say, You know what, I, would, I need a fresh encounter with God. I love what it says in Jeremiah chapter 8. In verse 20. Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 20. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. We need to pray like everything depends on God and we need to work as if everything depends on us. We want a fresh encounter with God. We want God to just do a miracle. But folks, why would God waste the supernatural on what He expects us to do on our own? Can we be a church that loves and encourages people? Brother Bruce, if you wouldn't mind... Just get us a hymn of invitation. We're going to get ready. And you can come pray at the altar. You can just, we can just, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, things happening in our, in our community right now. And I know you're tired. You've been through whatever you've done all day. We're going to end this day. And it's up to you how to end it. It's up to you how to end it spiritually. Does our church need revival? Does our church need to continue revival? Does our church need to hit our knees? Does our church need to pray for lost souls? And we say we want the, the lost to be saved and repentance and renewal. We want families changed. We want families to care. We want our kids to do right and our grandkids to do right. But we don't want it enough to make to try something to do something extra, to pray a little harder, to make a public move, a fresh encounter with God, just to say, I'm tired of the same old, same old, so let's try something a little different. Maybe I need to amp up my prayer life just a little bit. Instead of popcorn prayers, just maybe we need to drop some hydrogen bomb prayers and just let God know and spend some time with Him. 
or are we willing to invest? 